What is going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I am very grateful to have your attention, at least for the next 15 minutes of this episode. Forward Thinking Founders is a podcast where I interview pre-seed and seed stage founders about their products, what they want to build into the world, and why. We dive into how they spend their time, what's their vision, what's the origin of stories, all these things, so you can learn all about what's coming tomorrow. Because these companies haven't hit critical scale yet. Most of them haven't hit product market fit. These are just early stage companies, and the big question is, what can this be? And in this podcast, we bring that out. So with that, I really hope you enjoy your time listening to today's episode. And I've already done 200 plus, so if you like this one, listen to some of the other ones, like with Imadi Kund, Austin Allred, Leah Culver. We have great interviews, so check it out. Enjoy the repository, and for now, let's get into today's episode. Here we go. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to you, Miriam Nusret, who is the founder of Grid. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Thank you so much, man. It's an absolute pleasure. It's going really well. Awesome to hear. Well, I'm really looking forward to learning more about what you're working on here with Grid. For people that haven't heard of it, what are you working on? So Grid is a social impact gaming studio where we create low-cost mobile games for behavior change, positive behavior change. But the emphasis is on the fact that it's low-cost and it's for a global audience. So people all over the world can be leveraging mobile games for positive behavior change. So kind of walk me through kind of the user experience a little bit. If I was to just hear about Grid for the first time on this podcast um, and, I, and, I gave, and I went on the website, you know, what would I find? How would I interact with the product and kind of with the brand? Can you walk me through what that looks like? Absolutely. So um, great. As you know, if you go on the website, you're going to learn a little bit about our journey and how we got here and why we make these games. But more than the why, it's the what. And so you'll see some of our mobile games that are both on the App Store and the Google Play Store. And these games can be games on women's health. For instance, we made the world's first period game a world's first mobile period game. And that was basically um, menstrual health and how do you learn about menstrual health? We also earlier this year launched our game called Corona Combat, which is on COVID-19 awareness. We've made games on animal welfare. We've made games on climate change. We're currently working on games on anti-racism, financial literacy, skills for the future. So you'll basically see a portfolio of these mobile games, these interactive games that are out there. And the cool thing is these games are free to download. They're also available in different games across all the games. We have a consolidated five different languages that we touch at, and they're very context specific. So they're versions that, um, for instance, our reproductive health game also has the Nepalese version, and that's very much based in the Nepalese context, or there's other versions like the period game has an African version. So you'll be able to see the games, but then also experience what that global nature looks like that I just talked about. Can you, can you walk me through a little bit about the original story here? Why did you decide to start this company? And like, yeah, tell me about kind of how it got started. Absolutely. So um, I'm an international development professional by academic training, by professional training. I am a non-technical founder of a gaming studio. And basically, um, 
having worked in the international development sector um, um, at the World Bank uh, as an education specialist, I've worked across 32 different countries in Sub-Saharan Africa, South Asia, Middle East. Having worked in these countries, one of the things I realized, Matt, was that technology moves very fast, right? And the entertainment industry is able to keep pace with that fast moving technology. But unfortunately, the social sector, the social space, and be that internationally or even within the US, is not able to keep that same pace um, with technology. So in international development, when we talk about innovation, we say, oh, SMS survey. SMS survey is so innovative. SMS survey is 20 years ago, you know, it's like today we're looking at a world where $20 smartphones have penetration in areas where toilets are a luxury. There are actually families in the world that may not have access to a toilet, but they have access to a phone. There are refugees that leave their houses with nothing but their phones. So the level of pen smartphone penetration that we're looking at today is just so high globally, but at the same time, we're not creating solutions that can match that level of penetration. The other problem that we see is that most of the times when we talk about social change, it's very prescriptive. It says, hey, you know what, for family planning, you should be um, you know, wearing condoms or for menstrual health, this is what you need to be doing or for education very, very prescriptive. This is the solution. This is what you need to do. Unfortunately, behavior change is not prescriptive. So if you think about it, we all know that using the stairs is more healthy than taking the escalator or using the elevator. But how many of us actually end up taking the stairs? <laughs> we really don't. And in Milan, they did this really fun experiment where they turned the stairs they were next to the escalators, empty, abandoned stairs. No one used to use them. And they turned them into a piano. So each step of the stair was a bar of the piano. And you would make music as you would go up. And all of a sudden, 60% more people started using these stairs because it was fun. So that, that aspect of fun, the fact that behavior change, no matter where we do it, whether it's a farmer in Kenya or a young girl in Pakistan, just because they're living under the poverty line does not mean that entertainment is any less important in their lives. So for me, the idea was, okay, let's use the technology, but let's also make it fun and let's inspire behavior change. 100%. I think that's a really smart way to go about it. Um, and it kind of leads me, you know, to kind of wonder, you know, as the founder of this company, you know, as founders wear lots of hats, they, they do a lot. So I'm curious for you, what are you kind of focusing on on an average day? Like, are you, you know, shipping code, trying to get users, fundraising? What's just like a day in the life for you as, as you're building out this company? Absolutely. So a lot of it, um, um, Matt, as you would know, is is the team, right? I mean, bringing together a team that's sustainable, that can continue to work on this, especially being a non-technical founder. For me, it's very, very important to have the right people um, on the ground. Also for us, it's challenging to make sure that these games are indeed compatible with the kind of beneficiary and audience we're trying to reach. So a lot of it is that team management. Then there's obviously business development and partnerships. So we cut across so many different sectors and we are not experts in women's health and climate change and financial literacy and anti-racism. So a lot of it is partnerships. Partnerships with other people who are working in these spaces who would want to leverage games for social change. And these days, a huge part of my focus has now been Okay, so so far we've been making these portfolio games and that's all well and good and we were, we're building that portfolio. But my 
moving forward, my goal is to really make that Pokemon Go for social change. And why I use Pokemon Go, it's not just, um, you know, I could have said Fortnite for social change. I could have said Grand Theft Auto, but there's a reason. And that is that Pokemon Go was able to inspire direct behavior, right? So otherwise it's education and then education will inspire behavior. Pokemon Go had people getting up from their couches, going out about in the world and taking real life actions and then being rewarded in the virtual world. So now imagine instead of going and catching a Pokemon, if you recycled a bottle or if you, you know, donated to, to a certain agency or something, whatever it is, like you volunteered, but social actions for social impact change, that is what we're working towards. And so that's a lot of my day in and day out these days. And if you were to kind of now envision, you know, grid, you know, in five years, 10 years, 15 years, when you kind of have realized a lot of what you're trying to do, what does it look like then? Or I guess, in other words, what's the big, big vision here? And what's the company going to look like, you know, in 20 years? And in what direction are you rowing in with it? Absolutely. So it's funny, uh, Matt, I, I, I started my morning with one of your tweets on, on fundraising, and, and how do you get to that $1 billion company? And then it really got me thinking. And Funny thing is, in the games industry, that billion dollars is not very far off, right? It's it's a very imaginable goal. It's a very real real goal, and I think that um, that kind of reach is very possible. But for me, it's not just reaching the people who are already playing the games, but that entire untapped population who are just not playing the games right now because the games aren't being made for them. So how do you make those games? So for me, I think it is games for change, games for social change, and games for a global audience. And if I can be the leader in that space, I know that serious games are picking up, but even the serious games that are being made right now are very much for a limited audience, for a higher end technology. If we can pick that up and say in 20 years, Angry Birds, every Angry Birds, every Candy Crush could have a social impact related to it, could have potentially social change related to it, I think that's an achievable goal. And I think that entertainment and, and social change can go hand in hand. And in order to kind of bring that vision to life and make it happen, you'll need some help, right? And luckily, we, we, we have all these people listening on the podcast that are, that are ready to help. So the question is, how can the forward-thinking founders community help you out here? Are you, are you hiring? Are you fundraising? Are you looking for users, customers? How, how can we assist? Absolutely. So I was, I was, I was, I was looking at it um, again. Forward thinking city is a beautiful city. You're the mayor. Um, if I could have a role in the administration, I would love to be like the partnership sheriff or something like that. Because I think for us, you know, one of the things I've realized is that the cake only grows with collaboration. This is such a new space that there is no use competing over a small slice of cake when it just gets bigger through collaboration. So for me, it's saying any other founder who's working in the social impact space who says, hey, you know what? Actually, I could use games for either education or behavior change or even marketing. If you think about it, the amount of exposure that a game provides to your goals, to your product is actually really, really immense. So something around that or training of your employees. So really try to see where you can leverage games. And the other thing we've done is we have brought down the cost of game development 
to one tenth and one twentieth of the average cost we were seeing. We've made games for as low as $20,000. So we are here saying, hey, you know what? We can provide these cheaper game solutions. And then if people are looking for that, and then obviously um, I think we're definitely starting to fundraise. We're looking at that VC model. Um, so far we've, uh, we've, we've been driven by our own revenue internally, but I think that now it's time especially as we move towards that Pokemon go for social change, that's where we have to move towards fundraising. So excited to, and, and I will apply for that partnership of sh sheriff's partnership sheriff position. <laughs> well, well, we do, we actually, we can actually do something here because we do have a city council. People don't know this yet, but we do have a city council. It's me and two other residents. And what we can maybe do is you can come to a city council meeting and you can like pitch the three of us on like your, your potential role in the city and we can discuss as a council. So we, we have infrastructure for it. To run for, for, for council. I would love yeah. that. I always knew I was going to be in the public space. I mean, this is my first step. hundred percent. Hey, I'm with you. I'm with you. And in order, you know, I mean, if someone wants to, to learn more about what you're doing, they want to get involved, they want to find it, you know, and use it, you know, how can they find you online? What's the website, uh, you know, do social media, can they find you, you know, via email, how can they get in touch? Absolutely. I man the Twitter, I man my email. I mean, I am that person. So at Gaming for Dev is the Twitter account, www.gamingfordev is the website. And Miriam.adil at Gaming for Dev is my email. Any of those work, um, very, very accessible. Happy to provide links to those uh, to be put into the podcast. But yeah, I'm, I'm always looking for those kinds of partnerships and, and seeing how we can grow from there. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Matt. You have an awesome day. Thank you, you too.